Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Sound Prince for the week of August 7, 2016. The 71st Annual Conference and Reunion of the Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni Association was held this weekend. The new interim principal at the Kentucky School for the Blind, Tristan Parsons, spent about three hours with us on Friday evening. He ate dinner, introduced himself to the crowd, shared a report of school activities for the past year, answered questions, and socialized with us after the program ended. We look forward to getting to know him much better in the near future. A new alumni board was elected this weekend. The officers are Adam Rushevel, President, and Debbie Dethridge, First Vice President from Louisville, Shirley Stiver, second vice president from Dayton, Kentucky, John McCarty, third vice president, Deanna Scoggins, secretary, and Carla Rushville, treasurer, all from Louisville, and directors Tim Moore from Frankfurt, Eric Stam from Tennessee, and Elaine Weisbard and Bill Wright from Louisville. B.T. Kimbrough, who many of you know from his work with Dialogue magazine, has moved back to Louisville, and we had a chance to chat with him after the banquet on Saturday at the reunion. B.T. is featured on page two. One of the activities at the reunion was a trip to the American Printing House Museum to learn more about the 1829 Louis Braille book, recently acquired by the Printing House. Mike Hudson is director of the museum, and we bring you some of his remarks about the book on page 3. The bells you hear at the end of this segment are a carillon at the Third Lutheran Church across the street from the school and the printing house. For many years, these bells played hymns at 8 a.m., noon, and 6 p.m. every day. There was many a day that I found myself running down Frankfurt Avenue late for class at the Kentucky School for the Blind because the carillon was playing at 8 a.m. The bells have recently been restored and are once again heard throughout the neighborhood each day, and they were ringing as the folks on the APH tour were waiting for their ride back to the hotel this past Saturday. Adam Rushville has prepared a montage of some of the weekend highlights on page 4. The editing is a bit rough due to the short time available to prepare the file, but we hope you enjoy this visit with the KSB alumni. And on page 5 is the Sound Prince calendar. Page 2. The alumni reunion is just concluding, and I am sitting at a table after the banquet speaking with B.T. Kimbrough, who graduated in 1960, B.T.? That's right. Yeah, B.T. has um, lived in other places besides Louisville for quite a number of years, including um, Illinois, Philadelphia. Illinois, yeah. Philadelphia, and uh, Stewart, Florida. Yes. And, and uh, Stark Patch, we called it, Mississippi. Yeah, uh, I didn't know about that one. Um, oh, yes. Mississippi I was at Mississippi State, State yeah. and most recently I was in Salem, Oregon. Uh, working with blind skills. And now I'm back home. And we're real glad to have you back in Louisville. Want to just give you an opportunity to share some memories about KSB. We're going to be doing a little montage uh, about the reunion this weekend on Sound Prince for our listeners. And and uh, so just share with us some of those memories and tell us about days at KSB and, and maybe days uh, coming back after you went out to public school. Carl, I was just thinking when I walked into the hotel today. We we do this in a hotel now. We don't we don't do it on the campus for reasons best only known to people who set the campus policy at the Kentucky School for the Blind. I was just thinking 
that it was almost 70 years ago, it was 69 years ago, that I first walked into the place, into the Kentucky School for the Blind, at the age of four and a half. Uh, it scares me to think that I can talk about anything that I did 70 years ago. That's a scary concept. It just really is. So, but, you know, it's, it's just interesting to think um, all the places that path led, and I had the chance to learn Braille there, and I had a chance to work with the early technology. We didn't have much technology in the 50s and even in the 60s. Technology was called a Braille writer. What, but such as we had, it was close by because right. the American Printing House for the Blind was over here next door. I broke many a window over there. Uh, speaking <laughs> and how of did memories you do that? at the School for the Blind. But we had these things called basketballs. Yes. And uh, we, we actually had other kinds of balls. We had paper balls. And I probably shouldn't talk about this, but we, we rolled up mag, Braille magazines mm-hmm. and tied them um, some people said that what we tied them with was bookmarks from books. I don't know that to be true, but uh, those didn't roll and bounce away. So they had they were, it was handy to play with those. And I think a couple of those went through windows of the American Printing House for the Blind. I'd almost swear to it. <laughs> the, Breaking their windows with their own magazines. I, I'd call that fair. Now that's pretty good. <laughs> yes. Uh, you didn't rip any insides out of their books, did you, BT? Um I only did that once. Oh, but you did do it. <laughs> it was um, it was a it was a practice book, and it looked just like a magazine. Enough said. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, BT, one of the things that you learned and learned extremely well was uh, to to play the piano, and I'm assuming that that was at KSB because when I knew you, of course, Mr. Moots was our piano teacher. And Mr. Moots taught us Braille music, yes. and uh, I started when I was seven mm-hmm. um, to learn Braille music, and you really spent a good year just uh, learning the symbols of, of Braille music, but uh, uh, I even continued that. I, I went through the 10th grade at uh, the Kentucky School, and then I went to Shawnee High School, and but I continued lessons with Mr. Moots, came back uh, the next year and played played in the recital. Uh, he had a great recital at the end of the year. Oh, he did, and it was an honors recital because every student who took piano did not play in that recital. It was only his top students, and, and there would what be about six, eight of us at most. Yeah, something yeah. like that. I think I remember yeah. two rows of four kids playing, and uh, uh, from the smallest child, the smallest, newest student played first, and uh, I remember one BT where you were there, and Bobby Lands was first. And he was a little bitty kid at the time. He was about six, and then there were a couple of what others. What a musician mm-hmm. he was! Bobby. Yes, he was. And while the rest of us were playing, Bobby, who was about six or seven, put his feet up in a chair, and he had on his little suit, put his feet up in a chair, put his head down on his knees, and went to sleep. He was the king of the world even then. Yes, he say? was. I always got to play second to last. Mr. Moots had the best student last, and it was always BT. So, uh, but but BT was a wonderful pianist. Did you learn organ as, during that period of time? I didn't time? get to start organ at the school. Um, one of the uh, uh, Baptist churches in town had an organ teacher who also taught at the seminary. And so through the church that I went to, the 23rd and Broadway Baptist Church, I got to start the organ. But, of course, wouldn't have done that if I hadn't known the Braille music. Mm-hmm. i got to tell you, i got a, a bone to pick with Bill Moods about the last recital I was in. My signature thing was I'd get a handkerchief out of my pocket. My family waited for this moment. Get the handkerchief out of your pocket, wipe off the hands and everything. Real prissy move that I made before. Well, 
I was going to play the Beethoven Panatique Sonata. And I had this, they made sure I had handkerchiefs in every pocket. I come onto the stage, I get to the piano, I whip out the handkerchief, and there's a quarter in my pocket. And it rolled <laughs> off the stage, rolled all the way down the gymnasium. And I never got that quarter back. That's the bone I have to pick with Bill Moose. That recital cost me money, Carla. <laughs> well, you know, that, that recital would have been, let's see, he left at the end of my seventh grade year, I think. Mm-hmm. That was, the, right? end of, that was yes. the end of my junior year. Yes, so okay. So that would have been the spring okay. of 59. That's right. That's when he left. Well, I have a, a story about that recital, too, because I was playing four pieces, and one was the Moonlight Sonata, and I hated it. And then there was one, I think the one before it, the third piece was one called The Strange Man. I mean, you better be good in practice. There was no such thing as just kind of a ho-hum practice. It had to be perfect. The one practice was awful, absolutely awful. Everything went wrong, and he made me go to an extra piano lesson, and I had to miss a session where they were. Um, we were having popcorn for some reason, but I had to go practice with Bill Moots. We go to the next um, practice session, and I played a really good one, and as I get up to leave... Moots was very expressive, and he comes up and he grabs yes, me he and he goes, was. "Oh yes!" And he grabs me and he says, "Wonderful performance." Scared me. <laughs> <laughs> that, he was a mess. That, that last year uh, that I stayed here, that mm-hmm. I played. This was a recital before that. Mm-hmm. He didn't like how much I practiced. He didn't like how little I practiced. <laughs> yes. And he was so angry about it that he arranged with Herman Davis, who was the house parent at Huntoon House that year, to have me in solitary for the last few days of the year, even after the recital was over. Well, that really hacked me off. And being the kind of smart aleck that I was then, of course, that was then. I'm even uh. more of a smart aleck now. But I waltzed around the place like I owned it. And Davis Davis had this puzzled expression in his voice. And he said, he said, didn't I have you in solitary? I said, Mr. Davis, even Bill Moots wouldn't be heartless enough to put a person on solitary at the end of the year. And he said, oh, I guess that's right. Then. So he let me off. <laughs> so sometimes you just had to brazen it out with Bill Moots. What can I say? So you graduated from Shawnee. In 1960. And went on to the University of Louisville. In those days, they wouldn't let you major in drama okay. uh, or in broadcasting. I would really like to have gone to a, a university that had a broadcasting major. But they, they would certainly pay your dues to go and be a music major. Well, mm-hmm. I got the best of both worlds because not only did they have a wonderful organ department, Melvin Dickinson came on here and founded the Louisville Bach Society, and he, he was a wonderful influence to study with. Um, some of the best uh, years of, of my life were studying Bach with Melvin Dickinson. But they had uh, some uh, hours that were assigned to them at the then uh, public library radio station. It's now public broadcasting here. And uh, the teachers could use that time to play the, the classical music for their assigned listening for their music history students. And I went um, to one of the teachers and begged him to let me announce the programs. And so I got the best of all the worlds. I got a little experience uh, volunteering um, to do some classical music announcing. I was later able to do that as a full-time job. Sometimes doing the thing you'd rather not do uh, work, works out where you get a double dip. Mm-hmm. Well, so you did You did radio. For, you, you had your show on uh, public broadcasting for quite some time here. They were um, just starting the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, and they had a grant in 1970 
um, to get some of the programming off of tape. You know, that, that station used to be all tape all the time. Mm -hmm. And I was able to do the broadcast of the very first time that WFPK had a live uh, program. It was a, just a two-hour disc jockey show. We played Beethoven and Mozart in the morning. It was great fun. And I did the weather forecast. Um, I did it about every 10 minutes, and the people um, that I worked for came open in there at the end of the show and they said, why did you do uh, the time and the weather forecast all the time? And I said, because I wanted people to understand this wasn't taped, darn it. This thing has always been on tape. This was live, and that's the only way you could show it was live, was to talk about the weather right now. So that was great fun. And so um, when then did you get really into technology? When I was working as a newscaster at WFKY in Frankfurt, that was my first full-time job in broadcasting. Of course, there was no way I could rip and read. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't read the teletype. And I heard in those days that somebody had developed a teletype uh, that would spout Braille. Actually, it was just a concept in somebody's mind. There was really no such typewriter. Um, but from that time on, I kind of made a deal with myself. If they ever had something that would that would actually spew Braille, even if I wasn't in the radio business anymore, I would go and try to help with that. So to make a long story short, I found myself at some point in Stewart, Florida, where then Triformation Systems um, had developed a great big portable sort of teletype machine. And uh, over the next few years, uh, um, I, I worked in several positions for Triformation, which later became uh, Enabling Technologies. I, I spent uh, 12 years or so as the Vice President of uh, Enabling. Well, and then, of course, you uh, did a lot of work with, with Dialogue, actually two different times. I started to work at Dialogue uh, in 1972, right after I left the, the public library stations here. Radio was just a really fun job, but you know, if you weren't Rush Limbaugh, and Rush Limbaugh hadn't been invented yet in those days, there, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, upward progression possible in radio. And dialogue seemed to me then, it was basically an audio magazine first, it seemed to me kind of a, like a packaged radio situation, where if, if, if you went to conventions and, and you went around and talked to people about what they did and what they studied, that you could turn it into something like packaged radio. So I went to Chicago to work in their studios. They had just gotten their own studios. Life is very circular. Uh, over the years, uh, Dialogue moved out of Illinois. Um, the building was sold. It wound up in Oregon. And to make a long story short, in 2007, I, <laughs> I wound up out in Oregon working for Dialogue, which was um, uh, now is run by Blind Skills Incorporated. So life is awfully circular. And now you're back here. I. Uh, I'm not directing Blind Skills anymore, but I'm still editing Dialogue magazine. Mm -hmm. And I had thought for a long time that I would really like to move back to Louisville. It has a wonderful bus system. And when I lived here before, I was in the West End. And anything I wanted to do, I had to cross town from West to East. So I made sure I bought a house in the East End. I'm in the right end of Louisville now. <laughs> well, and, and being here relatively close to... The printing house where you were participating in the Reader's Theater this last, um, you were actually the villain. The Reader's Theater is such a neat thing. Yes. As I told you, I, I kind of wanted to be a drama major, and it's too late to go back and do that. Mm -hmm. But it is fun to be involved with uh, uh, actually helping to read a play in Braille, which they do every spring. And, yeah, they had to have a villain, and I, I guess I was kind of typecast in that role. Um, I'm not supposed to say who that was because we did the mousetrap 
and uh, they make you have to make a vow that you don't give the plot away. It's been running for 50 years. It's one of the lo longest running play in the history of Western civilization, and you you make kind of a uh, a, a non-disclosure with them that you won't disclose who done it. So uh, we won't tell them who I was, but I done it. It, it was excellent. We've certainly enjoyed having you here at Alumni this weekend. Um, I hope I hope you've had a good time and. Uh, um, you haven't always gotten to come to alumni real often in the past um, because you were across the country somewhere, but being here, um, you were you, you were right here, and 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 hope hope you've enjoyed yourself. Well, I certainly have. One, one time you got together a combo that I used to play in, and it broke my heart that I was in Oregon and couldn't get back here, and so every member of the combo was here but me. Oh, and, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it was it was it's just. Um, um, a, a great thing to be able to come back, even though, as I say, we don't we, we don't meet on the campus uh, mm -hmm. now, but it's still the closest uh, you can get to um, reconvening that old gang of ours. Yes, that's true. Well, BT, we sure appreciate talking with you, and hope that you'll um, visit with us again on Soundprint sometime. I'm a fan of the show, and it's good to be with you. Thank. You. Page three. So what we're going to do, what Carl asked me to do, was is kind of share uh, something that happened to us uh, that we're very excited about, um, and and uh, and kind of tell you a story. Okay, so so in February we bought the museum here at the printing house bought a copy of Louis Braille's uh, first book, uh, published in 1829. Um, we call it the Perseide, right? <coughs> But its actual full title basically is. Pull this other thing out. Okay. Uh, it is the Procede pour écrire les paroles, la musique et la penchante à moyen de points, which basically translates to method for writing words, music, and plain song by means of dots. It is extremely rare. There are only six copies of it anywhere in the world. And we are really fortunate to be able to have been able to purchase it. And we couldn't have done it without the help of the local community. Um, and so what I'm going to kind of do is just kind of uh, talk a little bit about the book and the history behind it and let you guys ask any questions that you have. And uh, I do have some tack a tackle page that we made um, of, of the first page of the code itself um, that you guys can take away with you. Once upon a time, if you were blind or visually impaired, anywhere in the world you didn't get to go to school. Okay. Not only did uh, they think you that if you were blind you weren't that you weren't worth being educated, but they had no idea how to educate. Um, so that starts to change in the late 18th century when a guy named Valentin Ali comes along. Now how many of you guys have heard of Valentin Ali? Raise your hand. Okay. Oh, okay. So, so Ali was a translator for the French royal court, and he was out walking the streets of Paris one day, and he came to this tavern. And at the tavern, the entertainment for the day was five blind guys purposefully playing musical instruments poorly. Okay. They were basically clowning around for the amusement of the audience. And Ali was very offended by this, and he, he, he hated it. He wanted to think that there was some better way 
for uh, blind people uh, to, for, to not have to be made fools of, right, in order to make a living. And so he, he comes up with this idea of what happens if we open a school. And so he, but he didn't have any, anybody who wanted to be in the school. So he went and found this kid named Francois Lassure. He was a 17-year-old beggar on the streets of Paris. And Dr. Iwee proposed to pay Francois Lassure to come see if they could figure out a way for him to learn. Okay, so, so essentially Dr. Iwee's first student, he was paying him to come to school. Okay, wouldn't, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> scholarship. So yeah, scholarship. Exactly. So we can think of it that way, right? My kids always thought they should get paid. Exactly. Exactly. That would be sweet. Anyway, so so Dr. Alvey starts working with Francois, who's a very bright young man. And between the two of them, they discover that sometimes some of the letters that Dr. Alvey would get in the mail would be embossed. You know, we we do that with wedding invitations and funeral announcements and things like that. And when you emboss them on the paper, you actually can feel them with your finger. And that gave Awi the idea, the idea to come up with his own font and then teach his kids how to trace those letters that were embossed on the page, okay? He publishes that system in 1786 in a book called The Asile Education des We have a copy of that book, okay? For years and years and years and years, when anybody came to this museum, the first thing that we did was we took them to that, that book. This is the first book made for blind people, which it, it was, it was and it is. And we thought that it was really rare. And I've heard our former president, Chuck Tinsley, tell people many, many times that there are only three copies anywhere in the world, okay? So uh, it turns out that there are more than 600 copies of this book. <laughs> It is fairly common and has been preserved in many, many, many libraries. It's a very influential book, of course. But here's an interesting thing about it. Okay, so bear in mind, it's the first book done for blind readers. And it was done at uh, Dr. Aoui's school there in Paris by the kids. Um, it was printed, you know, there by the kids. But they didn't know anything about the way, they didn't know anything about embossed books, right? They had never, there had never been one made ever, ever, ever before. And so, when they bound the book, they stitched the pages together very tightly at the spine, the way all books were being made, the way a print book would be made, that's right. Unfortunately, when you do that, over time, the weight of the book itself will flatten out the relief. And so, uh, if uh, you ever get your hands on a copy of one of these books, you would discover that the relief is so faint to your fingers as to be almost invisible. And that's what not because it didn't have good relief when it was new, but because of the way they found it. But this was a eureka moment for blind people everywhere, right? For the first time, there was a way to read. It was not easy. Uh, later researchers working with kids who were using raised letter books found that only really about a third of the kids were ever able to master those raised letters, right? The A and the E and the lowercase O, they all felt the same. Yeah. And... And um, uh, if you ever, you can go into our, we've got some tactile reproductions of that book and you can try and, and, and read it. It was a serif font, meaning it had all these little curly cues on it, right? That's the way they printed their regular fonts then and so that was the way that book. So it has all kinds of extra gigas, if you want to think about it that way, that make it even harder to recognize what you're looking at. 
but the school was successful. Uh, he soon had many students, and they would go do these demonstrations where uh, uh, someone would emboss, uh, produce a, an embossed page, and the kid would read it out loud to everybody there at the at, at a demonstration. And this amazed people. I mean, I know, I know we, we, we take Braille for granted so much today. We see somebody read Braille, people don't go, oh my God, I can't believe that kid's reading Braille. But back then, when, whenever they demonstrated these race letters, it was amazing. And, and, and people would come to these demonstrations and tears would run down their face. They, they just thought it was a miracle that, 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 this, that, that you could teach a, a blind kid to read. And so the school becomes very successful. It's the only school of its type anywhere in the world. Well, let's get you guys back down to the front, okay. and we will. Uh, I'm glad y'all came over. Thanks for. Well, thanks thank for you. Find books and more in accessible media with APH's free of charge Louis database. HTTP colon slash slash louis.aph.org. Locate accessible educational materials from nearly 200 different agencies. APH products and textbooks can also be located using Louis. New extended searching now available with free Louis Plus. Visit soon. HTTP colon slash slash louis.aph.org. Many book materials help Braille users jot notes quickly. Pull APH's Minibook Braille Binder out of your pocket and begin to write on the Minibook slate in just seconds. Materials are sold separately so that you can choose the combination that's right for you. Call the American Printing House for the Blind, toll-free, 800-223-1839, or visit www.aph.org. Page four. If I could have your attention for just a second. Everyone who pre-registered this year, there, well, there are three new drawings that are part of the registration process this year. If you pre-registered 
you are in automatically, everyone who pre-registered is in a drawing for $25 cash. Okay? Now, if, and the person does not have to be here. So the name that comes out might be a person who isn't here. But um, then there will be another drawing a little later for all people who pre-registered plus all people who registered today. And finally, tomorrow night, there will be a drawing for everyone who registered. If you attend and you don't register, or if you know someone who attends and they don't register, you, then they're not in that drawing. So we're going to draw for the first, the pre-registration drawing right now. And um, let's see. Tristan, where are you? All right. <laughs> It's your cue. Well, it's your cue. That you're going to help draw this ticket because you don't read Braille, so you can't cheat. <laughs> These tickets are in Braille, so no Braille reader can draw because we can cheat. <laughs> oh, do you read Braille? <laughs> Mr. Tristan Parsons is going to draw this ticket, and he's going to talk to us in a little bit, but... Uh, for right now, I want you to reach down in this bag and draw a name out for me. And the name is the first timer. <laughs> Sam Hall. His name, though, let me remind you that his name goes back in. And in the next registration drawing now, all the names of people who registered today... Um, we'll go into that drawing too. So we're not going to do that at this minute. But congratulations, Sam, and I'll have your 25 bucks here pretty soon. Tonight, we're really glad to have Tristan Parsons here. And Mr. Parsons comes to us from, um, well, I think he has recently been in Floyd County, and he'll tell you more about that and more about his background in a minute. He uh, assumed this position last week. So he hasn't been at KSB really a long time, and he has, uh, I met with him Wednesday, Carla and I did, and he seems to enjoy all the conversations and all the meetings that he's been having, and um, just a really warm personality, and we're glad to have him here, and we're glad that he's at KSB, and he's just going to give us, he said he compiled the year in review, even though he wasn't there you know, at, at, the, at last year, he just compiled a year in review. So he's going to tell us a little bit about that and a little bit about himself. And I'm going to be quiet. Here's Mr. Tristan Parsons. Welcome. Thank you all for having me and inviting me over. I'm glad to come over and visit with everybody. The food was great. And I really appreciate it because I told him earlier I didn't eat lunch all day to save up for that. So it was worth the wait. So thank you very much. <laughs> um, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. My name is Tristan Parsons. I'm religious from Prestonsburg in Floyd County, in far eastern Kentucky, about three and a half hours east of here. Um, graduated from Prestonsburg High School in '95. Went to Moorhead State. Uh, went to Eastern. Got a couple degrees there and a couple certifications here and there. I'm currently working on my doctorate at Moorhead, finishing that up. Um, taught school in Floyd County for 12 years, working with special needs students, varying varying age ranges and disabilities. Um, Early childhood is my heart and the primary program. Love, love the little ones. They're 
where it's at. You can make a big impact um, with the elementary kids and I love working with them. My background is learning behavior disorders and emotional behavior disabilities. Also, um, I had uh, resourced and worked with students with visual impairments uh, during my time there in Floyd County. Currently, the past two and a half years, I've been at the Kentucky Department of Education as a special education consultant statewide, working in all 173 school districts. We were required under IDA to monitor programs for children with special needs with IEPs, go out and do re um, regulatory checks and ensure program effectiveness for kids um, in all um, 13 disability categories. So that's a take the show on the road kind of say. From January till May, we're out in 14 districts, 14 weeks during those months. So away from home a lot and um, out visiting with kids and teachers. So it's, it's really a good, a good thing to get to do that. Uh, I've been coming around and visiting the school uh, since like November of last year, coming in doing some auditing work and visiting classrooms and you know just checking things out and visiting with everybody and just fell in love with it the first time I came on campus I was like this is like a miniature college campus it's so cool all the everything's self-contained everybody's got everything we need and everybody was just like a little community so I and the office staff made me feel welcome teachers made me feel welcome and I just took a liking to it and I went back to the tower there in Frankfurt and I was like just talking about how much it seemed like it would be fun to work there and, and a great environment, you know, environment for kids and collegiality and all these wonderful things and my colleagues would be like, okay, we get it, you like it there, we don't need to hear anymore about it. And I'm like, well, I just kind of, because, you know, being with kids for 12 years in a, in a school and then not being with kids for two and a half years in an office behind a desk, you kind of miss that. So I was, I was kind of waning, you know, the nine to five office job anyway, so... I think it's really good that I'm back with kids and back with, you know, teachers working and I'm just blessed and glad to be here. I'd like to call the meeting of the Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni Association to, th uh, to, to order. This is August 6, 2016. This past year, the alumni have met on a monthly basis and of course we had to you know decide when and where to have the meeting and and, and uh, we did that and we did purchase class rings for uh, students and they appreciated them um, that has been our main function this year we're interested in doing more and uh, after last night I believe that we will be more involved and I'm really glad uh, we have one person in our group today who has been involved with the students a lot and that's Jonathan McCarty and we appreciate his his uh, being involved and some of the rest of us have been at KSB a little bit for various things and it's just good to keep in touch um, and that's what we want to do. I am interested, and I know your new president will be, whoever it is, will be interested in um, any feedback that you may have concerning the weekend. That is my presidential report for the year. Bill Wright reminded me of another topic. Oh, okay. There is 
a, and Adam could probably tell us more about this, or maybe Kenny, but um, the, the, some of the students at the school have written a book. Uh, it's a very different type of book. It's a book there about their experiences. Um, I think it's called I Can Hear You Just Fine. It's coming out this fall. <clears throat> it is a um, professionally published book um, by a, a group here in Louisville that does histories of underrepresented populations. They did a history of Shawnee uh, High School and um, they've done a history of the dirt ball, the basketball programs here in Louisville. And they actually have um, participants from those programs who write the book. Um, a press release went out from Frankfurt uh, last week or maybe the week before about the KSB book, uh, talking about the students that were involved, uh, listing them. They are from some from Louisville. Uh, one graduate of KSB this year is from Perry County, a student that's now in public schools from Davies County. So it's a wide range of students. I think there's about eight of them involved. And um, the students actually receive royalties from the sale of the book. And it said each student involved is receiving $500 um, as an advance royalty on the initial book sale. Uh, the book will be out in print. Uh, the printing house is going to produce the braille and I think the audio version of the book. And they need, they're trying to raise $10,000 to get this book actually out onto the market. For a, a $20 donation to the project, um, the, you can receive a you will receive a copy of the print book, and the book once it comes out will sell for twenty dollars in bookstores around Louisville. Uh, I I would like to propose that the alumni can make a contribution uh, to this project, um, more than twenty dollars. <laughs> I, I would like to propose that uh, we donate five hundred dollars to this book project. I'll second it. Uh, wait, that, that wasn't a motion. Are you going to put that in the form of that's, a motion? That's a motion. Okay. I, I move that we donate $500 to the uh, KSB book project. Bill Dethridge seconded it. The money goes to the the company that is producing the book, and it will go to cover the costs of the printing of 2,000 copies uh, of the book, and they are they are now in the final edit form. And of course, the students themselves are receiving. Uh, it would be a total of four thousand dollars in royalties up front, because five hundred dollars to each student. Depending on additional book sales, the students may receive more money. Okay, the motion has been made that the alumni contribute five hundred dollars to the KSB book project. All in favor, say aye. 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 Any opposed? I don't know, Carla and somebody, I don't know who seconded it, but that's all right. Well, okay. Elaine, did you have a question? Aye. Here you go. We're going to start this memorial service in one minute. Do we have hymnals? Well, hang on, hang on, Brad. Somebody else is going to give you one. 
Adam's busy doing something. Could there be uh, like a volunteer or two to help pass out hymnals? We have large print. We have, I guess they're up here. We have large print and braille. And we'd like for everyone to sing. Welcome everyone to the uh, Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni Banquet. Um, and uh, if I could have your attention, we'll get started in just a second. I know the food, everybody's excited about the food and, and uh, everything, but first we have a couple of things to do. Um, we're going to have uh, Brad Mann singing. He's going to my old Kentucky home. The sun shines bright on my old Kentucky home. Tis summer, the people are gay. The corn tops ripe and the meadows in the bloom while the birds make music all the day. The young folks roll on the little cabin floor, all merry, all happy and bright. By and by hard times come a-knocking at the door, then my old Kentucky home, good night. Weep no more, my lady. Oh, weep no more today. We will sing one song for my old Kentucky home. For my old Kentucky home far away. Thanks, Fred. Patty, would you like to come up and give some instruction about getting food? We have fried chicken, mashed potatoes. Wait a minute, let me start over. 
Fried chicken, meatloaf, mashed potatoes, green beans, corn, rolls, seven layer salad, deviled eggs, and we have cherry cobbler, peach pie, um, apple pie, chocolate pie, and lemon pie with tea and lemonade. And if you would like to purchase a soft drink from the vending stand, you can. Um, we'll call tables up, and if you have vision and you can help uh, people get through the line, that would be great. It's an honor tonight. Uh, I think y'all are going to be greatly entertained by Mr. Kenny Jones. He's a 1979 graduate. He's a former coach, athletic director, and he's just retired from KSB from working there, I think, around 27 years. So he's been there a while, and he's going to take us down memory lane, I think, what it's been like working there, and maybe a little as a student. Um, this spring, he was awarded the Paul J. Langan Award, and he was also um, awarded a award from the Metro Disabilities Coalition. So, Kenny, uh, we've got about 15 minutes or so. Uh, we'd probably, we could probably be here all night, but uh, we do have a time limit, and some people would like to go home tonight. So, but uh, please welcome Mr. Kenny Jones. Boy, 15 minutes or so to go over 50 years worth of material here. That's that's going to be rough, but I'll I'll, I'll try and do it. Um, but first of all, first of all, I'm I'm really excited to to have the opportunity to talk with you guys uh, tonight. You know, when Debbie first called me, I thought it was something like uh, you know to sit on the nominating committee or something like that. Something I've done for you know time or two. Uh, but when she said that, you know, would you be interested in being the guest speaker, I was kind of blown away. But, uh, you know, like I said, it, it's an honor and it's a privilege in order to do that. You know, I have had a wonderful year. And, um, she, you know, she mentioned a couple awards and all of that stuff. And that, that's fine. But it, it, that made the year really special. Um, but what really made it special was to... To, to be able to say, well, that's going to sound bad. I shouldn't say to say goodbye to people. But um, it, it, it just really was a special year. But, you know, none of that would have been possible. None of that would have been possible at all um, without KSB. Uh, to be at the point where I am now, uh, I owe a great deal of that to, um, to the school. You know, I've always said that... Um, there's been really two significant influences in my life, uh, and it's really three, and, but one of those is uh, KSB, the other's my mother. Uh, so without those two things, uh, I, you know, I would not be the person who I am at this time. In that experience of seeing how we serve students statewide, there are some districts and there are some people, uh, teachers of the visually impaired we call ourselves, that are doing a phenomenal job with, but there are also some districts around the state that do not have students with, did, did, no, excuse me, let me restate that, that do not have a teacher of the visually impaired. So we have a long way to grow in that. And the university program at Kentucky is going to help us do that. 
But until we have that gap, there is always, always, and we may never meet that gap because Kentucky's a big state. There are approximately 1,200 kids with, who are blind and visually impaired. There's always going to need be that need for KSB. Always going to need be that need. And I've, I constantly say, constantly say that if you want a career, become a teacher of the visually impaired. And until we, until that statement is not able to be articulated, to state it, then there's going to be a problem. Kids are not going, they're not receiving what they need. When the job pool is that open, there's a problem. So there does remain a problem in the education of students with visual impairment, and it's not only in Kentucky, but it's nationwide. That is one reason why the Alumni Association, in my opinion, needs to stay a vital part of the School for the Blind in Kentucky, without a doubt. And you know, we've done that. We have, we have changed as education of students with visual impairments have changed. We've done that. I remember when I was a board member back in the 90s, and um, as we know, there's, we don't have kids, very few, if any. I look at this last class, I don't think there was a single student who came to KSB in the kindergarten and graduated in the 12th grade. That just does not happen. What typically happens is that either we get them a little young and they go to public school, or we get them in middle school and high school. And we changed our bylaws at that time to uh, change the definition of what it means to be an alum. And I think that we can respond to some things that are going on in our field today in regards to uh, students with multiple disabilities uh, because KSB is going to get more students with multiple disabilities. Uh, I think that we can um, accept them, accept them and their families become a vital part of their life um, and whatever else changes that uh, come along, we are able to be flexible and, and able to, uh, to adapt to those. As I mentioned, I think we need to be, continue to have a voice in the matters of the School for the Blind. Um, and it, we just need to have a uh, continued input into uh, matters that pertain KSB. In closing, um, you know, KSB has been a vital part of my life. I know it's been a vital part of many of you guys' lives out there. Um, to me, it, it all is a matter of relationships. Relationships and the relationships that um, I've been able to form have just been the best relationships of my life. Um, my greatest earthly relationship came to KSB and finding my wife Maria, as well as the relationship that I have with you guys out there in the audience, many of you, as well as many who are not here and those that have passed. And I owe so much of uh, so much appreciation to those folks uh, uh, that I have been able to. Been a, be a part of my life while a student there as well as uh, an employee there and I, I just uh, really appreciate that. Well thank you, it's been a pleasure. I might have gone over a little bit of 15 minutes but I hope that uh, you'll forgive me for that. So 
Again, thank you so much for allowing me to address you guys tonight. It has been a joy. This concludes the banquet of the Alumni Association of the Kentucky School for the Blind. We will be selling drinks, soft drinks, and snack for about an hour um, or until Cecil says he's finished. And then you can hang out in here or go home or, or whatever. And we'll see you next year. And Mr. Rushville, it's your turn to take over. So thanks, everybody. I've enjoyed being your president for sort of the last six years. There's a year that Jim Shaw was, but then he, he did something strange and died. And we'll see you next year. And we'll see you next year. Good night, everybody. Page 5, The Sound Prince Calendar. On August 11, the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind will have its August conference call meeting at 7 p.m. Eastern Time by phone. The number is 605-475-4700 and the code is 155619. For more information, call Jerry Slusher at 859-781-7369. On August 12, another GLCB roundabout will take place. The number for more information is 502-895-4598. On August 13, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have its board meeting at 11 a.m. on the conference line at 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. On August 13 is Cinema Saturday. Featuring The Book of Eli, a movie from 2010, shown at 12.30 p.m. at the American Printing House for the Blind. This is an audio-described movie which features an important visually impaired character. This movie is rated R. The activity is free. Call the Printing House Museum at 502-899-2213 for more information. On August 14, the KCB Next Generation Chapter will hold its conference call meeting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time by phone. The number is 605-475-6006 and the code is 294444. On August 15, the Kentucky Council of the Blind will hold its board meeting at 8 p.m. on the same conference line. On August 16, the Tri-State Library users will have a program conference call at 8 p.m. And again, it will be on the same conference line, 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. August 19 is another GLCB roundabout. Call 502-897-1472 for details. On August 21, the Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni will hold its next meeting by conference call at 8 p.m. Eastern, 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. On August 22, the Guide Dog Users of Kentucky will hold its August conference call meeting at 7 p.m. on the same conference line. August 24, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will have it's peer support group meeting from noon to 2 p.m. at the BCB office in Lexington. This will include lunch and a speaker. 
Wheels Pass is available for attendees upon request. Call 859-259-1834 to sign up. On August 26th is the last GLCB roundabout of the month, 502-897-1472 for more information. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody. Well, I'm up, yeah.